Day two at BBC Gardeners World Live at the NEC in Birmingham. Goodness me, it has been a warm one. However, in our studio in the middle of the halls at the NEC, I'm delighted to welcome the boss. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> David Stevens, one of the world's best-known garden designers. David, welcome. What a lovely uh, day it's been, if in need of a little water, a bit like the plants today. It is, Steve, but that, that is gardening. Hot, cold, damp, winters, you know, that's that's what we do. And, and the plants in many ways adjust to that, as do we. So it is hot today. Tonight the weather's going to crack and it looks like rain tomorrow, but uh, plants will enjoy that even if the people all rush inside the halls out of the weather. <laughs> now, David, uh, for the first time in quite a long time, you haven't actually got any gardens or displays that you've designed at the show because you're leading the garden walks tours, explaining to people how things are put together. For it. it must be it must be strange to be here without your own gardens being on display. It's, it's fascinating, but I've worked the shows for so long. In fact, I opened it with Jeff Hamilton 30 years ago. Um, I was doing gardens well at the time, um, but it's it's almost viewing it from the other side. Whereas building gardens, obviously, you're very involved with the constructional side and working with the contractors. Uh, this year, I'm doing garden walks. I'm doing uh, talks on the stage. Uh, it's been absolute real fun, actually. And I've met more gardeners doing it that way than you often do <laughs> working on a garden separately. So it's been great, really has. You've had some amazing displays here. <clears throat> and I still tell the story from three, maybe four years ago when you did the gardens through the decades. <laughs> And, and I, th- I think I've mentioned this to you before, but the 60s and the 70s next to it made me cry because I was back in my grandparents, but they were stunning, David. And a lot of people said that, and it was very interesting in that the, that the new gardeners coming through were looking at the 60s garden and seeing the crazy paving and the clinker built wall and saying, wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> How innovative <laughs> you Exactly. <laughs> but that was, a, it, was a, it was actually a, a privilege to do those gardens because it was a very special 50th anniversary for the BBC Garden as well. Mm. Um, and I suppose to be fair, I, I, I've worked through all those decades. Yeah. So it was, it was a fascinating design process. So thinking back, what did we use then? Then we moved into the, uh, into the 70s, uh, screen block walls and all oh those. Goodness, and yeah. We used scaffold poles for screens and all sorts of wonderful things. Yeah. Then the 80s, which was real outside living, built-in barbecues, paving, raised beds. Then onto the 90s and then the noughties after that. So, and we, then we really came up to date with a contemporary garden and, and very cool planting. It was fun. Yeah. They do say nostalgia will never go out of fashion, don't they? And, and if you look at the best show garden here this year, uh, Francis Tophill has has done this this recycled, upcycled sort of garden with some very old things in it as well. Which uh, it just feels like it goes in in cycles. Maybe it's it fifty-year cycles, but it, it goes does. in cycles. And in fact, I mean, I've been working with Francis, and she's a delightful lady. She really she's thrilled to bits to get best in show in a platinum medal is quite something. Um, but as she says so rightly. Um, uh, Rupert Key built the garden and it's the contractors and the designers together and I'm almost a bit almost a bit suspicious of designers because they say oh I won a gold medal well you may have done but it was with the team and they really put the thing together and helped you get there you cannot do it as an individual it really is a team team effort and teamwork super your passion for gardening and your passion for being at these shows and meeting people and talking to people is ne- has never diminished, David, has it? Um, you're on the, one of the stages here just uh, to, the, to the left of our studio, um, talking about many things, but uh, particularly things like um, making gardens easy, so there's not oh, too yes. much work to have to do. Uh, there's a question, if I design a garden for somebody, there's a question I ask, I say, are you a keen 
average or lazy gardener. <laughs> and it doesn't matter which one they are because you can tune the planting to suit the level of maintenance that they actually want to do. So if you're, you know, so-called a bit routine lazy gardener, but if you don't want to do too much work, you can work in plenty of ground covers and plants that knit together. I mean, I'm busy. I'm building a new garden at home now, um, and I've just planted it up. Rosie Hardy, cottage, Hardy's Cottage Garden Plants, fabulous. Uh, but that's all knitted together almost in three months. So you can really reduce maintenance to a very sensible level. Okay, you may need to take a few things out from time to time, but uh, no, you really can. And I know it's a bit of a cliche again, but things like raised beds, which aren't just easy for maintenance, they boost plants up towards eye level, so you can often see things more clearly. And you can um, combine them with raised seating and all of those kind of, I suppose, almost tricks of the trade that, that make gardens much easier mm. and more fun. And gardening should be fun, it shouldn't should it? it? You're right. It's not too serious. No. I wonder, with your go, everybody imagines that uh, some of the world's best gardeners have the most immaculate gardens. And I do, I do <laughs> wonder whether sometimes, you, you know, or how often you sit there with a beer during the summer thinking yep needs a change now i tell you what designing your own garden is far more difficult <laughs> than designing a client's garden it honestly is um, and i pondered for a long time but i've moved much more over the years uh, and it's part of this sustainability and recycling and upcycling uh, we've moved two years ago into uh, 1930s house classic art deco house and the garden behind it was pretty much the same. It had an old serpentine concrete path that wound its way down. And you can imagine in the poster a black cat with a tail in the air <laughs> walking towards the Art Deco rays of the sun, towards the vegetable plot. But years ago, we'd have skipped that. We'd have ripped all the old concrete. But it's part of the history of the place. Um, and there's, I've also dug up masses, really loads and loads of fine stone, co old stone, you know, natural stone copings, paving, and I'm, re I'm reusing all of that, laying them in paths, almost like mosaic paths. And the trick, I think, is it's quite a, in fact, it's a very contemporary design, but weaving that into the old structure of the garden. So you're getting almost the best of both worlds. You're saving money, and you're really, I think, creating, as I say, something about history but bringing that history up to date and a lot of gardens are like that I think we should think in that way mm. much more. Mm. Interesting you mentioned sort of going back to a 1930s house which would have had some form of established garden I, I, I suspect. A lot of new build houses um, the gardens are builders rubble and hardcore and any old soil they found covered over with some turf and then the builders leave. So when people buy new houses and they go in to their garden, yeah. they've got a big job to do, haven't they? They have, and it's it's still, in my mind, iniquitous. I mean, with building regs, those the hardcore should be cleared out, and it, it unfortunately isn't in many cases. So I'm afraid there's going to be a bit of work. I mean, if you get the soil right, that's 98% of the battle. Good soil equals good plants. But to get that, you've really got to dig all of that hardcore out. Some of it may be reusable. Some of it you can use as hardcore underneath a paved area, a patio or a terrace, so that could be used. Um, if you've got a, a tree in the garden, design the garden around a tree that's existing. And sometimes you get that in a new garden as well. So you've really got to look at all the aspects, and but you've, you've got to do that basic homework. You've got to get it right for both outside living paving and also for the planting so got some hard work to start with but then it gets progressively less maintenance as you get the thing together 
In terms of planning gardens now, I was, uh, I was looking around early. I think Hilliers have brought something like 40 new plants to the show. And, and in fact, just behind you now, you can see people with their trolleys loaded with yes. plants going home. It's fantastic to see. Um, which means there's, there's new colours, new textures, new leaf shapes and things that, that are coming in. It's, you never stand still no. in horticulture, no. do you? No. Um, in some ways, it's a blessing. And in some ways, it's a flipping news. <laughs> I mean, these people called taxonomists then keep changing the names of plants and reclassifying them so that's always a problem but it's exciting when you see new varieties some work some don't I mean there's one or two iffy ones that I've seen there's a a, a very strange white acanthus down in some of the plant beds down there and it just it doesn't look right it looks it looks it's not sick but it doesn't look right so fashion's always a bit of a dangerous enemy in any field gardening textiles clothes cars whatever so one thing I do say at shows, don't get seduced. These are halls of seduction. If you come to the plant marquee, try and have an idea of what you want. And don't just buy the first thing that you like, because that's very different. Otherwise, you'll spend a fortune, you'll get it back home, and you'll wonder where the heck to put it all. <laughs> I love that, halls of seduction. Um, it's interesting, David, I, I, talking to many of your, your fellow experts here at the show, noticing an increase in the number of young people who were attending and and possibly as a result of lockdown and the pandemic but young people who are engaged and whose approach to gardening is changing the the way we we think about things because the sustainability and pollinators and that sort of thing are you seeing more and more of that in in the people that you meet yes it is i mean it's I think it's still a fairly slow changing process, but there's no doubt that many more colleges now are, are teaching horticulture and design. There's a lovely little garden, Nottingham Trent Garden, down, down the way there. And they, I watched them building it. They've worked so hard doing that, but they've learned so much. And they've laid the paving, they've done the planting, they've done all the little details. Uh, and most of them are 19 or in their early 20s, and they're set on a career in horticulture, whether it's in construction or plantsmanship or design. Uh, and that's where it's got to be. And I still, I'm, I'm still slightly sceptical that schools don't push gardening and horticulture more because it's a wonderful profession to be in, trade, job, whatever you want to call it. Um, and you're outdoors, it's physical. It's, it's a win-win situation as a career, but it does need fostering more. It really does. What advice would you give to those young people, David? You've got 50-plus years of, of experience, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to suggest you've probably enjoyed every, every, nearly every <laughs> <Yes>. moment of it. <laughs> There's always a bit of rain in the winter. Oh, don't winter, worry about but, that. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to those, those young people who are thinking of following in your footsteps? Well, I think the first thing is enjoyment, and very often that starts very early on. I came to it a bit later, and it was in my early 20s before I really got turned on to gardening. But these days, as people are more conscious about the environment and about what plants and trees can do, um, children get turned on six, seven, eight-year-old, and that's when they go from there. So I think it's, it's largely due and it's largely responsible that the parents encourage younger people and the schools every school should have a garden of some sort and it should be available for job experience and all these things and once you know steve that once you're hooked on gardening that's it you know you never look back and all you do is to learn more and anybody that says they know their plants is fibbing you cannot possibly know all your plants it's it's impossible um but that's the way to do it encourage people show people my dad was a wonderful vegetable grower and mum was she was a steady gardener, nothing special, but 
I always was surrounded by plants. And although I didn't think much about it at the time, I think that's what, in a way, got into the psyche and got me thinking in later life, in my early 20s, well, this is something I'd really like to do. So it's encouragement from older people to younger people to show them how special gardens and gardening and horticulture generally in all its facets really is. It's interesting also talking to some of the uh, of your colleagues about the way the science has changed. We're now peat free of course and, and we look for uh, biodiversity um, and I, I was introduced yesterday to the Korean natural gardening um, right. method which was which was fascinating. Has that perhaps been the biggest change that, that you've seen? I think time, David? certainly recently yes it is. Um, pollinators, upcycling, recycling, reusing materials, looking at plants that can live in harmony, plant colonies and, and species that are happy together. Um, all of that has is certainly increased and it shows because those sorts of gardens look comfortable, they look happy. There's nothing, wor- there's nothing worse than an unhappy plant. I won't have them in the garden. But, and plants know where they're happy and they know that they like growing next to neighbours that are of their kind. And it's a fascinating bit. But no, Steve, it's certainly a huge new trend. And quite rightly say, we are thinking about the environment. And gardens are enormous. When you look at the area of gardens, say in the UK, it's huge. And the amount in which we can improve the environment with gardens and with green spaces and with plants and with trees, it can make a real difference. And we are a gardening nation. Uh, the Americans don't do it the same way as us, but if we can almost be ambassadors in the plant and garden world and take those ideas more overseas and get them in the same mindset, I think we're in for a very comfortable or very interesting ride. Super. You've got a busy time here, just finally, David, at uh, BBC Gardeners World Live. Um, What next for you? Because you never stop, do you? You're on the go all the time. (laughs) I do, and I tried retiring at 65 (laughs) for for two weeks. That didn't work. Um, Because I think if you're a horticulturist, or I'm a landscape architect or designer, you never stop then there's no reason to stop if your brain still functions correctly and I can still remember all the plant names which is reasonably hopeful that's good um, and I'm hooked on it I always have I've been hooked on it for the last 50 or 60 years I, I started in about 1968 I think and I as you said I've enjoyed every single bit of it since I'm lucky I've traveled around I've designed an garden every continent except Antarctica and there's not a lot down there I could do an ice garden I quite fancy that <laughs> but no it's it's been a wonderful career I've met wonderful people and they're friends and I think if you're in the world of horticulture it's the most friendly business that you could ever be and you're welcomed wherever you go in whatever country fantastic as always David an absolute pleasure uh, to see you here at the show and looking so well as uh, as well uh, Will you be designing some gardens for next year's show, maybe? I'm hoping so. I'm actually planning one for Chelsea 24, oh. ah, the big one. So, that, that, well, this year, this year actually is my 50th since my first garden at Chelsea, which was 1972. Wow. So it's half a century. It doesn't seem like it never does. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. David, for now, enjoy the rest of the show, but many thanks. Thank you, Steve. <laughs>